This is the Shift Podcast. Today on the Shift Daily Podcast, nearly a quarter of Canadians aren't eating as much food as they should be, says new stats from the food banks. Program Supervisor Robert McDonald and Communications Manager Shauna Ogston from Food Banks in Calgary tell us how inflation is impacting the Canadian food bank system and the people who rely on them. In fact, they help us understand in general the various reasons that people go to the food bank. So maybe there's somebody you know that could use a little bit of help too. We had a very special episode of Game Showy on The Shift. It's here on the podcast too. Ben O'Hara Byrne from A Little More Conversation radio show. Faces head-to-head on the battle as we battle it out for grocery bags. That's the big prize with Game Showy. And Stepan Berko joins us from Ukraine after reuniting with his family for the first time since the war began. He shares that incredible reunion back in Kiev, how he's back in his house, what his family does for the first time when they're together, and what the capital of Kiev looks like despite the Russian invasion in eastern Ukraine. This is the Shift Podcast. Food is expensive. The cost of food is changing, and I buy my loaves of bread three at a time, and it was 50 cents more for me to buy uh, my three loaves. Now, 50 cents, for me, I can handle 50 cents. Not everybody can. Um, And everyone has bad days, bad luck, and people are hungry. It's just that simple. All across Canada, the numbers are staggering for food banks and all of the member organizations inside food banks of Canada, meaning individual cities. Calgary, in particular, is getting hammered. Now, we've got a couple of guests here to chat with us and help us understand what is going on. Shauna Augustin uh, is a, well, veteran, Shauna. I want to I be gentle with the words. Uh, veteran in communications um, with the food bank. And Shauna and I, we've painted bowls together. We've done fundraising together. And so uh, it's very nice to see you, Shauna. I'm really glad you could make time to be here. So thank you for that. Thank you. Uh, Robert McDonald's program supervisor, emergency food hamper program at the Calgary Food Bank um, for about five years now. So open to either of you, perhaps Shauna first. Uh, What are we looking at today? Let's start with the baseline raw. Let's not beat around the bush here. What are the raw numbers that we're seeing at, you know, across the country, but in particular inside your food bank? Well, at the Calgary Food Bank in particular, for the first five months of this year, we've seen a 26% increase in visits to the food bank. Now, 20, 26% increase doesn't sound like a lot, but when we are feeding hundreds and thousands of people a week, hundreds a day, that is a lot of people that we're affecting. And we're making sure that we're getting hampers into everybody's home. It's a lot of work. It's a lot of food. Robert, what are you seeing? Sean has hit the nail on the head. We're seeing more people than we ever have. Um, and it's not slowing down. It's not, uh, it's not a, a trend, right? You know, COVID is such a big thing and people expect with COVID things might change. Things may not, things might go back to normal, but it doesn't feel like they are. It feels like it's just a constant acceleration. So the thing about the food bank is it's no judgment, right? You come in, you need to, you know, get some groceries. The food bank will help you out. Does that make it difficult? Because you kind of need to know, at least you'd want to know why people are hungry. One of the things Shauna has shared with me is that there's sort of are two parts to this. There's, there's the today part, which is groceries in trunks. 
And then there's the future part, which is sustainability and, you know, uh, food distribution, all the things just in general poverty. And that conversation can be gigantic. But when there's no judgment, which is the one of the coolest things about the food bank, you also need to know why people are hungry. Uh, is there any information? I know you guys do research and data and on food insecurity and all the things in Canada. But you don't really just walk up to people and say, hey, so what's happening? That's that's not what food banks is about. So, Shauna, what is what? what why are people hungry? Oh, there's a myriad of reasons. I mean, it could be your neighbor. It could be a family member. Uh, it could be one crisis. It could be a series of events. And unfortunately, no matter if it's the gas that has to go in your tank, I don't know about you, but when I saw that gas went up again, five cents, oh. I thought, how is this going to affect my budget? Yep. What is this going to do for our clients? Is this going to be the tipping point for them to be able to get to work? Uh, are they working? Are they underemployed? There are so many reasons why people are coming to the food bank and we're finding that out by having a conversation when people call. We want to make sure that we get some initial data and we can make sure that we can also connect you to resources that are out there. So through a conversation with our volunteers on the phone line, we can find out what's going on in your life, where other resources are in the community, because quite often when people have called, needing food is their first experience into any kind of social service net, and we want to make sure that we can connect them. Now, Robert, um, I believe call centers falls under your purview, uh, so that means conversations yep. are, are a part of that. What do you hear from your uh, staff and volunteers when they're taking those conversations of what people are going through. I mean, of course, I asked this question, full privacy respected, but just generally, I think it helps us understand. Here, here's actually, let me be clear. The If somebody's out there and hesitates to phone the food bank because oh, I'm, my situation's not bad enough. Robert, if you share a couple of the reasons why people call, some people who are listening to the shift might go, oh, wait, that's me. I can get help. So is there is there a couple things you can help us understand? There's so many different reasons someone might call us and they're all, they're all great reasons. And we're so happy to be able to support these people. But, you know, we get uh, someone who's a senior living on pension, uh, that number coming in, that's not going to change, but the amount of money they got to spend to fill up a tank, buy groceries that is going up every year. So, um, they might need to call us to, uh, get some food and save some money so that they can still afford rent. Um, you know, I talked to a guy, uh, lives out of his truck and he's working landscaping right now. And if we get a couple days of rain, he's out a few shifts, he's out a ton of money, suddenly can't afford groceries. Um, we've got families, someone, uh, is between work or they've had unexpectedly lost their job. Uh, you know, they can't just stop feeding their kids. They got to keep feeding them. They got to keep paying rent. They got to keep paying bills. Um, that stuff doesn't go away. So, so many, so many different reasons, so many different walks of life. We've got people who are in uh, some very long-term situations where uh, it's just a cycle. It's hard to get out of. Uh, it's, it's having to just, you know, keep your head above water. And we've got people who never expected that they'd use a service like ours and something unexpected has happened. Um, you know, real expensive car maintenance or unexpected uh, issues with employment. And, and we're the difference between them, you know, uh, they, they might've run, they might've paid rent and they might've ran out of money a few weeks later and they still have to eat. Right. 
Oh, isn't that the truth? Shane, I wanted to add to that too. One of the reasons why I started working, when I started working at the food bank, and I was inspired to let people know that we're here for you. I was a single mom going through a divorce and I had two teenage boys to feed and oh boy, can they eat. Yeah, I remember and that time. You some- shared that with me way back in the day. <laughs> <laughs> and there were some tough times when I wish I had had known and been had the wherewithal enough to call the food bank because so many of our clients say that they ever they only need one or two campers in their lifetime to get over that crisis and get back on track and i think about my situation and wow that would have changed things immensely and i I hope that we can inspire people listening today that the food bank is here for you and we're confidential and there's no judgment and we want to make sure that we, we could literally take the stress off the table well, I'd like to acknowledge a couple of things. Uh, first of all, that's pretty normal, right? Divorce, two teenage kids, uh, being the mom. And so that's pretty normal. And people often think of the food bank as being abnormal. You have to have something abnormal happening in order to need the services of the food bank, right? So what a wonderful yeah. example for you to share to say that, wow, could that that ever change? And I want to acknowledge both of you. You're both, I would say, guilty or um, del- delightfully doing Uh, something that you might not realize you're doing. We're here talking about the urgency of food bank and the shortages of all the things. And you're both inviting more people to come to the food bank. That's the nature of what this is, right? We're here to sort of share some of the urgency behind. There's just not enough food. Like these things need to be dealt with. And you both are inviting more people to, by the way, come on in. We got you too. So that just goes to show the, the wonderful nature of the people behind the food bank. Can you tell me uh, Shauna, who you see come in the door because you have lots of volunteers and staff and, um, what, how cool are these people that are coming in and, <laughs> and, and doing these things? Because you guys are weird this way, because if, if this is, you do, it's, you're like the frontline workers, right. That are, that are exhausted and, and sort of enabling the system when there's not enough staff and enough people. Cause you stay for 15 minutes extra and help out to make sure this one last patient is comfortable. That's what front, like that's what they do They're That's the way their, yeah. their DNA goes. So what about these people that you're surrounded by? Tell me what they're like. You know, I feel blessed to know the volunteers and the staff and even um, some of our partner agencies and, and clients, if we're lucky enough with the whole drive through pandemic model, it's just how grateful everyone is. And it's it's an injection of enthusiasm. Like, and when I hear a volunteer say, oh, I love coming in for my shift. Everyone is so positive and happy. And I think, really, it has been a couple of years and we're still exuding that. I'm so glad. Donors will come in and they say, oh, you know, it's just a just a bag of groceries. I hope this is okay. And I say, yes, it's, this goes so far because I'll get a Google review or I'll hear from a client in the parking lot that'll say, wow. You know, you know, fresh fruits and vegetables. This is amazing. Thank you. And there's just, there's so much thankfulness here. Robert, do you see a lot of that too? Absolutely. Uh, we definitely could not do what we do without our volunteers. And every single one of our volunteers is just a pleasure to meet and work with. They're so enthusiastic about what we do. Um, they can come here and we work together really doing something important. I think, um, they see so many people coming to us and they see the reality of what, uh, people are going through and we're all able to make a difference towards that together. See, I think it's cool. Um, there's a stat that you have here. Dig into the, into the hard stuff a little bit. There's a stat you have here that says 23% of Canadians are reported to be eating less than they should. 
And um, I have a job and, you know, I buy groceries and uh, I just want to use it as an example that everybody's under stress as well. With the budgets today and the way things are, Sylvain Charlebois, a, a friend of the shift, he's on all the time, talks about food. He talks about the center of the grocery store often, right? The price of peanut butter has not gone up in so long. Uh, shrinkflation has been a thing inside peanut butter for less for the same price, but the price hasn't gone up. And the price is starting to go up on the center of the grocery store. When I'm here doing my budget in my house for my food, I am making sure that there is no waste. There are days where I don't choose what I eat. I'm lucky. There's food in the cupboard, right? I'm not complaining. But there are days where I'm like, well, there's three extra slices of bread left and I got to do something with this deli meat. And those are things that admittedly, maybe shamefully, I didn't worry about in the past. In today's world where I used to fill up my car and now I put in half a tank, you know, all of the limitations that we're all seeing. If that's what's happening to me, a guy who's employed, I can only imagine what's happening to people who are not employed or partially employed or are struggling to make ends meet because of wages and cost of living. Are people truly eating less than they should? What does that look like, Shauna? Well, I'm not surprised. And I actually thought the number would be higher because we hear from families, especially that will say, you know, I, I didn't have breakfast today, so I could send my son to school with lunches. Well, I think it's way and, higher to your point. I think, I think it's way higher than 23%. I think people are skipping meals at all those yeah. things. I, I would agree with you. Oh, and they're making huge budgetary changes to their grocery habits especially. I think we all have uh, shamefully wasted food in our, in our fridges and we're all looking at, at making sure we can stretch our dollar farther and, and make sure we use the leftovers, for example. But if you've already been doing all of these things, I mean, somebody who's food insecure and they have financial constraints, they're already smart at budgeting their food. They're already making sure that there's no waste in the home. This is a tipping point. There is just only so much you can stretch and reuse and, and purchase on sale. So when these prices are, are increasing or the shrinkflation is happening, just how that is stressing out families and individuals, just I, I'm gobsmacked for them. And I, I think 23% is a low Right. Yeah. Well, I mean, you hear about that, right? Lemonade. Someone goes and spends $4 on a big jug of lemonade. Uh, lemonade might actually have one less cup of lemonade than it did a few months ago. Is that a ton? No. But I do it. I, I'd water down my drinks now. Like, because, I mean, th these are the things that we do. Not it's And it's out of attempt to be responsible. I, there's... There, I guess there have been times where, you know, money has been tight for me and I've had to be responsible. And there are times now where I just, you become that, you become that guy who rinses out his Ziploc bags, right? You become that guy. <laughs> and I think I become that guy. <laughs> Robert, what are you, what are you seeing with the eat less than, than they, they should from your perspective? I mean, with the emergency food hampers, I'm assuming your world is a little bit more urgent crisis driven. So, um, that must be evident. It definitely is. It's uh, it is pretty urgent crisis driven. Um, we've got you know people who might not be used to having to conserve their food, uh, skip meals uh, to get by, and some crisis situation has happened, and we're absolutely here for them, and we're ready to uh, support them with groceries. Uh, some people. Um, are, are very used to that sort of thing. I think everyone is these days, but um, no matter which situation they're coming from, 
uh, we're able to provide them some groceries. Hopefully they don't have to skip meals then, but you know. Yeah. Yeah. Well, the, uh, this time of year, typically people are able to be more mobile. People are able to get on the bus. Weather's not as impactful. Temperature's not as impactful. Frankly, the daylight helps out those who struggle, you know, with their own mental fitness. Um, so this is the time of year when my understanding is food bank demand typically tapers a little bit, right? Um, things get a little bit lighter, a little bit easier. Are you seeing that that typical downward tapering trend this year, Shauna? Unfortunately not. We just record numbers every week, every month. Uh, and we forecasted that there's going to be a 7% increase um, in the summer, but that did not account for this crazy inflation, the rising cost of fuel, uh, unemployment. So we know that there is going to be a demand. And, you know, I've got to say, when we talk about waste as well, because we have such great relationships with food industry, and that that could be a a supplier to a, a retail outlet, we are getting quality, nutritious food quickly. You know, it's not after the expiration date. It's well in advance, knowing that they don't want to waste as an industry, and we need to receive this to get the quality items out to uh, our clients. And it's it's a great symbiotic relationship that has just evolved over the last few years. And that is what's going to help us meet that increased demand. So when we started this chat here uh, with uh, Shauna and Robert uh, through the food banks, the um, we talked about today in the future. You know, that's what, sort of what it looks like today. Um, you know, y- every day you're, there's no escaping it, right? You, Shauna, you, you leave the office, you walk away, you see people walking in that that door. There's a different door where people go collect their hampers. Uh, you see that. So every day when you go home, you are reminded very clearly. Um, which must be difficult for you. So if you feel to comment on that, that would be, that'd be great. But uh, we also have to look at what the future looks like and how do we do that? Because that conversation today does cross over into politics. It crosses over into the price of housing, the price of fuel, it, everything else has been thrown into that gigantic jambalaya bucket of things nobody wants to talk about. Yeah, it's not just living wage. It's not just the cost of housing and renting. It's just, it's not just about being able to afford food. It, it's a whole mixed bag. And we have a number of organizations that we work together with. Yes, we have to feed people right now. We understand that food banks were created in the 80s as a temporary measure. And here we are still feeding record numbers of people. But if we all work together with the government, with other uh, nonprofit organizations and with the public, we can really make a difference. I mean, no organization can do it alone because it is heart wrenching. And um, I remember one time when the client pre pandemic days, there was clients in the lobby and there was a young man and he was sitting there with the, his uh, head in his hands and, and he was weeping and um, somebody came along and, and helped him. And it just tore at my heartstrings because I thought, you know, my kids are in their 20s. That could be my son who was too proud to ask me for help and coming to the food bank and feeling shame. And here's a volunteer that comes along, lifts their spirits, gets them what they need, but it sticks with you. And, you know, that could be anybody. And man, we can make such a difference so easily with food. And then other resources, like maybe it's um, uh, a shelter, maybe it's working with an organization that deals with uh, credit. Mm-hmm. We can all do it together. Yeah. Well, and a crime, 
too, right? People will sometimes try to steal food because they're hungry, and can you blame them? Uh, but let's call it for what it is. Those That does get into the crime index, and, and it adds up there as well. So, Robert, final thoughts for you. What do we do for the future? That's a great question. As Shauna states, it's such a, a multifaceted problem. Um, but we are fortunate to be able to operate in such a dense network of services and we're able to support other organizations. They're able to support us. They're able to support our clients and, you know, we're able to support them directly with food. Uh, If you're living paycheck to paycheck and your entire income is going out the door every single month, it it is not easy to get out of that cycle. And so, uh, you know, being able to supply some groceries hopefully can ease that a little bit. But the complex problem of of poverty, um, it, it's really a collaborative solution that's required, like Sean was saying. Well, insolvency is everywhere. Most of us have gone through it or are going through it at some time, which basically means not enough money to pay the bills. It cranks up in debt. And you, that, you made me think of that, Shauna, that I haven't, didn't even think of that. There are people that, you know, they're getting the phone call threat from the credit card company, from the everybody, the constant um, bombardment of all that stuff. And so in order just to ease the mental stress of all that, we'll, you know, pay the bill when they probably can't yet or whatever. I mean, well, it's my fault. I shouldn't have gone on that trip or I shouldn't have gone shopping and I spent too much money on my credit cards. Well, okay. Yeah, sure. Please learn the lesson for the future. We all need to learn that lesson. But the reality is, is that that's, that's the person. Yeah. That's the person who needs to, to reach out and do that. And to, that's the person that does need help. So, um, I hadn't even thought of that person. Yes, there's so many reasons and there's, it's so solvable. It's, and I know that we have increasing clients and maybe the number of days we can't get you through the next day. It may take a couple of days, uh, but we can do it. We can help you. Cool. Uh, Food Banks Canada works incredibly hard. Uh, This gang is from Food Bank in Calgary. And keep that in mind. Have the conversations with the people around you. Are you okay? Ask them how they're doing. And, and, you know, maybe it's come over for dinner if you can. Maybe it's refer the food bank if you can, um, or whatever. Donate uh, food from the grocery store. The money part and the the ratio of the, the money where they can leverage those relationships is always great. Volunteering is always great. The reality is the numbers are continuing to escalate. The demand is continuing to escalate along with food prices, gas prices, and everything else. And I can't even fathom the person that can't get in the car because it's out of gas or it's broken and they can't fix it to get to the food bank, to get to the food. They don't have the two bucks for the train ticket. They're risking getting a, you know, they can't get on a bus because you got to pay before you get on. They can't get on the train at risk of getting caught. And all of those things coming together. And damn it, wouldn't you like some food? Um this is Carrie Notion. Thank you both for being here. Appreciate it. Thank you for having us. Thank you so much, Shane. This is the Shift Podcast. This is exciting. I'm excited, Ryan. You're excited. I know. You can tell. You can see the smile on of your course. face. Of course. All right. Um, we have a very special guest joining us here. It's The Shift. I'm Shane Hewitt. I'm in Calgary. Ryan is in downtown Calgary. Brennan Kelly's off, so Sheldon Lee's working the buttons. And uh, we've got Ben O'Hara-Byrne, very special guest, joining us here for Game Showy. Benny, how you doing, buddy? Shane, thanks, man. I, was, uh, I, I went searching for a toque so I could rep BC, but it didn't work. 
couldn't yeah. find one. Yeah, I love Relic, man. Growing up, growing up, growing up in Montreal, all I knew is that the Canucks weren't very good because I saw them at the Forum lose six nothing, and oh. that uh, Relic, Bruno Gerussi, Molly, like that for me, that was BC. That was all of BC in a nutshell. That was BC. Like it really it was. was at the time. It was. Yeah. Love it. Beachcombers. Love that show. Fantastic. I was at, okay. I was at Molly's Reach last year. Anyway, I won't, no. I won't delay. Game showy. Oh, yep. it's okay. Hey, we got time. I, Whatever. We. I, dude, I, step, I stopped by. I stopped by. I, my mom has a friend in Seashell. And really? Like, hey, do you want to go to Gibson's and see where Molly's Reach was? I'm like, yeah. Absolutely. So there I was, yeah. Okay, I love it. That's fantastic. I've never been. I just remember it. we used to sit in our uh, our fake wood panel basement with my dad's trucker caps on nails on the wall up all around the top of the wall with our wood yeah. stove and our, nice. our old tube TV that didn't have a remote control, but it had a wired remote with push buttons. Oh, yeah, I remember so. those. Yeah, wow. Jeez. Yeah. Hey, how's that for right. a throwback? The, the youngins don't understand when you only had two channels, you couldn't be too picky, right? Oh, yeah. Well, you did, and, and you you had two jobs as the kid. Number one, get me a drink, two fingers, yep. and then the other one was change the channel. Yeah, and, and fix the rabbit ears. Go hold the rabbit fix ears. Fix the rabbit ears. <laughs> All right, Ben, All right. this is totally new for you. You have never done game showy. I've never have. Uh, no. It's brand new and uh, for you, and that's okay. We're going to hold your hand and get you started. Um, first though, you know, we have, there's a couple of things we have to do in order to make sure that we do all of this properly, just so you know. So first let's, uh, we gotta, you know, we gotta get the show started. That's right. It's time for game showy. It's a game show on the radio. And we came up with it so quickly that we didn't even give it a name. We just said, how about game showy? Here's your host, Ryan O'Donnell. Oh, Bob, thanks again as always. Game Show is back. It's live and it's ready to rumble. We have two contestants once again uh, competing for the right to be the smartest person for at least one week. And uh, usually it's Shane Hewitt versus Brendan Kelly. However, we have special guest Ben O'Hara Byrne on to... Uh, try to take the crown away from Shane, who's had a little bit of a turnaround in luck. He's he's yes. he's won a couple luck. here. Nice. Excuse nice. me. Uh, well, it, there was a long stretch of losses there. So, yeah. all right, luck <laughs> is a better word. Just a, is, a slump, just a you know a slump. A, yes, it's all right. A slump, uh, yeah, all right. way down into a dump. But it's back. <laughs> Shane is trying to get a little bit better here. So. Let's get into our theme of the week. If you want to take it away, Bob, and then I'll tell you how the rules work. That's right, Ryan. It's Game Showy, the game show that doesn't really have a name because we didn't bother thinking of one. On Game Showy, our categories are the price of food, grocery store, and foods from around the world. Our theme nice. tonight you got it, is food. Ryan? That's it. And I want to clarify that grocery store isn't just trivia about grocery stores. It's about food <laughs> products you would probably find in a grocery store. Good enough. So the rules are incredibly simple. You will ask a question. I will give you a question from a category that you pick. If you get the answer right, you hear this sound. <laughs> Lovely. If you get it wrong, and uh, simple nice. as that. Price nice is right. and easy. 
Yeah, no. And if you, uh, one extra thing is that the text line is a resource for you. However, you must use your text text line. Oh, that's right. Okay, the text line will be. I I can actually, uh, if you give me just a nanosecond here, I can actually access the text line. Excellent. There you go. Because the other, the phone box isn't working tonight, just so you know, only the text, the zip whip is. So it's only zip (laughs) whip. Uh, how yeah. it works, though, is you can tell me that you would like to use the text line. Texters can try to give you the answer, which, by the way, it is 877-399-9898. And you must use the answer provided by the texters. Ooh, have to. You must use it. You must. Okay, so okay. Uh, what are we competing for? Uh, last week, it was uh, seats and ridings within the Ontario uh, electorate. This week, as it's food, you will be competing for grocery bags. You can tell me bags. if you would like one bag, two bag, or three bags. Uh, and those are Ooh. translate into the points. Whoever has the most amount of grocery bags at the end of the show wins game showy. Are we you ready I'm gonna to do? get started? I'm going to stand outside Walmart, and I'm going to sell grocery bags to people. New business idea. Nobody can find them. Yeah. No, because Walmart well doesn't use them anymore. <laughs> oh, yeah, right. Well, there you have right. it. All right. That's why we're competing. Right. I think our guests should the get resource. the first question. That would be fair. I think Ryan. so, too. Ben O'Hareburn. I think so, too. Absolutely. So a reminder that our three categories are price of food, grocery yep. store stuff, and stuff, foods yep. of the world. Uh, ben, give me the where would you like world. to go? Why not? Foods, foods of the world. Of the world. Yeah. How many grocery bags, uh, For $10, Alex. Um, <laughs> I, I, I'll start with I'll start slow. I'll go with one grocery bag. I'm a cautious guy. You got All it. Right. All right. Here is your first question. All right. What is the most expensive spice in the world? Wow. Ah, uh, that's a good one. Hmm. Let me think here. Saffron. That is <laughs> correctamundo. Yes. This was Nailed a mistake. Saffron. Uh, well, I, to I, bucks. beginner's luck there. Beginner, beginner's luck there, Shane. I don't know. We'll see. This might have been a mistake. <laughs> hey, Sheldon, can we accidentally lose his connection? <laughs> <laughs> oh, no. Uh, all right, Shane. Uh, all right. Ben's got one point, one grocery bag. Your turn. I think I'm going to have to go uh, deep here, and I'm going to double bag it for grocery store stuff. So so two bags. I just want to confirm that. Double bag it. Paper, please. Okay. Double bag it. Okay. You got it. What... Uh, uh, you know, a pr- pretty common thing for me, at least every time I go to the grocery stores, I, I'm seemingly buying ketchup. I put it on a lot of stuff. I mean, it's great with fries and burgers and all that fun stuff. But uh, here's your question. What was ketchup used for in terms of medicine in the 1830s? How was it used as a medicine? What did it treat? What did ketchup He's used for as a medicine. Okay, so it's tomatoes. Mm-hmm. It's tomatoes adjacent. Um, yes. It's basically sugar and red. What does somebody need sugar and red? I, I, I'm going to have to go with uh, skin conditions, Ryan. I'm going to go with skin, skin conditions, conditions because skin. yeah, because what else would you? I mean, yep. you're certainly not going to use it for bags under your eyes. That's cucumbers. So, mm-hmm. well. Uh, I wish it was skin conditions because it is not skin conditions. Uh, the actual use is uh, tummy, stomach stuff. 
and uh really i'm not gonna say it yeah. nasty yeah it was it was used for that yeah no. pepto bismol like pepto bismol exactly wow yeah really? exactly yeah jeez okay yeah, uh all right well, i had no idea no Shane and I were me. just talking about ketchup on my show earlier when he was telling me how many bottles we of ketchup were actually, we had in the house. There I had you know. way too much ketchup oh, in my basement. Okay. Excellent. All right, Ben. Well, you have All a right. chance to take a healthy lead here. Where uh, where would you like to go? Um, I guess I can go for what was the first category again? Groceries, groceries, prices. Uh, I'll, I'll go for that first category. Food. Yes, price of food. Prices okay, of food. Okay. And... Ah, man. But that's weird because that depends what where you live, right? It changes. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Victoria, <laughs> Welcome to the big average, the big scam, Ben. <laughs> Victoria, Victoria is really expensive, man. I don't know. Uh, I'll go with that one. What the hell? Um, okay. And how many bag. grocery bags? I'll one bag. One. Okay. Why not? Oh, All right. He's conservative. I'm going to give you a couple of options for your answer yeah. here. You have to tell me which one you think is correct. Here's yep. your question. How much was a loaf of bread in 1990? Was it? 1990, yep. 1990, okay. <laughs> so we've got, here are your options. Yep. 70 cents, a buck 20, a buck 50, or 85 yep. cents? Uh, geez, man, I was around in 1990. I just didn't buy a lot of bread back then. You know, students, I couldn't afford bread. Um, (laughs) (laughs) uh, I'll go with, I'll go with the, uh, I'll go with the, uh, I'll definitely go with the buck 20. Buck 20. Mm -hmm. That is incorrect. It's actually cheaper. The correct answer is 70 cents. 70 70 cents. cents. What, yeah. what part of the country was that? I don't know, Montreal. Well, that was always... the average, clearly not in uh, the part of the country where you were. But well, uh, for context, bread is about three bucks a loaf right now yeah, on average across sure. Canada. Well, yeah. Well, there you go, right. Shane. Time to come back. Oh, all yeah, right. This is your chance, Shane. This is big. I'm down Where'd one nothing, like go? so I, I'm yep. going to go... Um, I'm going to go big foods of the world for three bags, please. Three bags. I'm, okay. I'm, I'm going for three. I got to do this because this is not heading in my favor. I'll ask about this later, but there's no penalty for betting at all, right? Well, for betting? <laughs> yeah. Okay, this I mean, is not watching hockey night. At all. <laughs> We're not watching hockey night in Canada, Ben. It's not every third commercial. I'm, is a betting sorry, I'm distracting commercial you on purpose. Here. Here. I'm, I'm yeah. sorry. I take it yeah. There's some Brendan <laughs> Kelly strategies here. I love it. Yeah. Uh, do you like apples, Shane? I do like apples. I'm a fan of the apple. Well, I think it's all right. Okay. Well, how do you like these apples? What country apples. produces the most apples in the world? Is mm. it Canada, Ooh. China, the United States, China. or Kazakhstan? Kazakhstan. Mm-hmm. Okay. United States has a lot of people. Mm-hmm. If this question was what country grows the most Big Macs, I'd probably choose the United States. Um, Canada, I mean, I know there's apples in Ontario, there's apples in BC, there's apples in like Nova Scotia. Yep. Uh, so it could be Canada. Kazakhstan, I don't know, feels cold to me. I don't know, feels yep. cold. And uh, China has got the most people. So, uh, and lots of different climates, including that coastal stuff. So I'm going to go with, oh, I'm just guessing. Let's be honest. I'm guessing. I'm going with China. That is correct. That is correct. It is China. There you go. Three points. So, wow. It's, uh, 
Apple production China was at 40.5 million tons, which accounts for over 60% of the world's Apple productions. Uh, The uh, the rest of the top five includes the United States in second. Uh, we got Turkey, India, and uh, Russia, which I was surprised to see Russia on there. Uh, the reason Kazakhstan was on there is because they actually have giant apple forests and they have uh, different breeds of wild apples that apparently taste unbelievable. Uh, oh. So a lot of apples seemingly come from Kazakhstan. There you have it. I thought they, okay, I so, thought they had spaceships in Kazakhstan because they have lots of rockets there. Right, yeah, and uh, some cool mountains. Uh, so okay, so we're at three to one. Yeah, Ben, here is your chance to either take the lead or tie it up. Where do you want to go? I'll, I'll to make life interesting, I'll tie it up. I'll go for two. I'm gonna, you're gonna two. Yeah. Okay, so and yeah. the categories a reminder to I'll the go listeners for that middle, it is the middle one that I haven't used that uh, grocery, grocery store stuff. Okay, grocery store stuff. Uh, why not? All right, um. Uh, Sheldon, just a heads up. This is the second audio question. We're going to have a little bit of sound in ah, this one, sound. Ben. Okay. So gotcha. let's uh, let's get started with this. I'm going to play for you now a good old advertisement for okay. a classic snack. Okay. Second one. <laughs> spam is also a good option for a snack. What's the difference good. between a little fun and a lot? Definitely. God, I wish they made Man. ads like that. So yeah, <laughs> you know, I, I, again, I, I mean, just like the the eighty five cent bread. I'm sure I heard that the first time it came out, but um, I don't remember. Yeah. I don't remember that one at all. <laughs> it's but anyway. quite the jingle. It is. Uh, so yes, Doritos. Here's your yes. question: What does mm-hmm. the word Dorito actually mean? Is it ah, triangle yeah. surprise, mm-hmm. pyramid chip? Little yep. golden things or yep. golden chip? Well, Dorito would, would, would should be, it should mean little golden. It's one of the last two. What are the, it's a little golden things or golden chip? It's little golden things or golden yep. chip. Uh, Ben's lived everywhere. I'll, I'll go with little golden chip. I'm sorry, the little golden things, the little second things, to last. One. Yes. We got a tie game, my friends. That is correct. Yes. Wow. I have no idea. I thought it was just a word that they invented. This chip is I called a so Dorito. Too. I thought so yeah. too. <laughs> anyway, I won't tell you. I won't, won't tell you how I came up with that. But anyway, thanks for right. thanks for the clues, though. Tie game. See, perfect. OT shootout. Oh, perfect it. for you. Uh, so <laughs> enjoy this. By the way, it'll be the last yeah. time Ben O'Hara Burn is on the shift. So. <laughs> he hasn't even won yet. Deep breath, Shane. Deep breath. <laughs> okay, well, food, the cost of food is very expensive here. Uh, yep. It is a tie right now, so I'm going to force Ben's hand by going for three grocery bags because that's going to limit the questions he can go to. Mm. And uh, I'm going with the price of food there, yep. Rye Guy. All right. Uh, which one do I want to ask you? Um, three grocery bags. Three grocery okay, bags. all right. No, three I know. I've got two options. Price of three grocery bags three. is 30 cents. Yeah. Oh, <laughs> yeah. sorry. Uh, okay, here's a question. When was milk in Canada more expensive? 
right now or immediately or not sorry not immediately but in 2009 one month after the housing market crash was it more expensive now or in 2009 yes immediately after the housing market crash now or 2009 i'm just going to go with now because to me there's more dairy conversations because the price of everything is up um uh you know the price of diesel fuel for my car is almost as much as the uh, liter of milk um and uh the, all the dairy stuff with the uh the US Canada MSX MSX that's not right oh <laughs> that got right off word. the rails quick didn't it <laughs> anyway milk yeah. i'm saying now that's my answer you are correct you are correct what is interesting is that the price difference is actually not that much it's only about a buck difference in the total price so even back in 2009 with adjusted for inflation the price was incredible for them so we are looking at a six to three lead right now for shane now ben Ben, i can help you out here yeah let me help you out here, Ben, because there's two categories with three grocery bags left to tie it up, just so you know. Yeah. And we've only got about two minutes left. All um, right. Price of food and grocery store stuff to tie it up. you got to choose from one of those Okay, two. grocery store stuff. Let's go. Grocery store stuff. Okay. Sure. For three for three grocery bags. Yeah. This is actually a question about a grocery store. Oh, good Which enough. Which of oh, these okay. old school stores actually mm-hmm. sold groceries in terms of okay. food? Yep. Was it... Woodward's, Woolco, Kmart, or Eaton's? Uh, Woodward's. I don't know the first one. I'll, I mean, I know that Eaton's sold food because I'm groceries, you mean, though. Um, I'll, yes. Yeah, I'll just, groceries, I'll just, not like a deli, yeah. not like a food counter. Yeah, I'll, I'll, um, yeah, I'll go with the, I'll go with Woolco. Why not? Just for fun. That is both correct and incorrect because Woolco did sell food in the sense that they had a restaurant counter at some stores, but the store that actually had groceries was Woodward's. Woodward's, which I've never heard of. Woodward's. That's all right. I humbly humbly admit defeat to the great Shane Hewitt. Yay! He admitted Shane it. Was, I'm going to tell you right now, Shane was not confident in winning this. <laughs> during the no, show I was not confident. I was like, he I said to Ryan before confident. the show, I was like, this is the stupidest <laughs> idea ever. Like, Ben has, no, Ben see, lived everywhere. No, you're all good, Ben. You're Dude, you got good. saffron. Come on. Uh, saffron was a good And Dorito. One. I Dorito. I have to say, lo- losing when you get a yes, no, when you sort of get like a 50-50 on, the, on a three-bagger, I don't know, man. I, I, might, I might have to file a protest. But maybe, or, or, <laughs> come, or, come back, or come back. Everybody's doing that these days. Or yeah, come back. That's all right. Uh, they'll be taking your <laughs> complaints kidding. at Canadian Border Services at Customs at the airport, so you can yes, file that. Yes, I'll see you in six weeks. I'll see, see you in six, six weeks. weeks. Uh, the passport <laughs> office, even longer. How about that? <laughs> Um, hey Ben, great. thanks for being here. And for those Cheers, who don't man. know, I said to I said it last night on the show. Our radio report card officially came out on Wednesday, and you need to know uh, Ben's show. You got to give it a listen if you don't know it. A little more conversation is what it's called. It's on earlier on in the evening, and literally, like you have to understand, Ben has like tripled the audience of his show on the West Coast. That's and it's like it's that good. And congratulations, Ben, on your hard work. It's fantastic. Thanks, You've Shane. done some amazing Thanks, things. Shane. 
my all my all my distant relatives in uh, in in your market came through, man. That's what that's what I'm. <laughs> That's what they're going for. That's very nice of you, man. I appreciate it. And thanks for having me on. I I, I like being the stand-in member of the Irish diaspora now that uh, Brendan Kelly's not around. That's good. (laughs) Well, I mean, you do fit in nicely, that's for sure, when it comes to (laughs) uh, all of us guessing at all these things. So I appreciate it. So thanks, Ben. Ben O'Hara Burn. A little more conversation. Make sure you check it out. Cheers. This is The Shift Podcast. Thank you very much for listening to The Shift. Good morning. We are going to Ukraine, Lviv, in fact. Stepan Berko joins us now. Stepan, how are you? Hi, Shane. I'm okay, but I have to correct you. I'm not in Lviv. I'm in Kiev. No. Yes. That's amazing. My wife and my kid. Yeah, we, no. we, we, we came back to Kiev, yes. So your whole family's back together. Yes, yes. Finally, uh, we're here. We're at home. It's still oh, wow. kind of weird. Um, less than a week since we arrived here. But uh, I can't even tell you the feeling, you know, of once again coming home and being together with uh, with your family. That's just great. Oh, I can only I can only imagine um, how that I can hear it in your voice, Stefan. You were saving that because you knew that I was going to make a comment about Lviv. So this is fantastic. So for those who don't know, yeah. we've been chatting with uh, Stefan Berko here uh, from Ukraine since this all began three months ago. And in the effort of safety, uh, Stefan uh, had lived in. Uh, Kiev, and then went to Lviv to be safe, continue working inside his law work and advocacy work. And your family left the country, went someplace safe, and we, we had spoken about the difficulties of, of that, but then at the same time, the blessings that you had time with your father and all of these things coming together. I mean, you are uh, married, you have a child, and uh, here you are gone back to Kiev, to your hometown, to your home, and you're all back together again. That's amazing. How does it feel for you? It feels great. Uh, and it feels weird because you have to adapt uh, once again. So you kind of feel like you are uh, living, you know, you're, you're having like pre-war experience. So you're living at your home, you go to the uh cafes that you like or shops but at the same time you have you 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 have this uh, you know in your mind that the war is still going on we're having air sirens here in kiev more often than in lviv of course and uh yeah so it's kind of it's 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 uh, it's uh different Better, but different. Still yeah. not the way it was before the war erupted. Oh, that's so exciting. Um, now, uh, with all privacy respected, of course, with your wife, she's been away. She's been out of the country. Um, how is that for her to come back to Kiev? Obviously, she gets to see your handsome face and your handsome mustache, which is obviously a win. But um, coming back to her city and coming back to her home after being away, uh, how is your, your wife handling it? 
Uh, she's still adapting, so yes, it's uh, she's really, really happy that she's home, she's uh, seeing me, and we're all together with uh, our son. Uh, but, uh, of course, um, uh, you know, the, the air, uh, air sirens that you have to, we have to go to our uh, corridor where there are no windows. We have to uh, wake up in the middle of the night and uh, go to, to this uh, uh, part of our apartment. That's kind of stressful. So she's still getting used to that. Uh, while I am, you know, for me, it's just like... Uh, a thing that you're doing every day so i got accustomed to that already she's still uh, uh, on her in uh, you know in this in this uh, path of getting accustomed to living uh, with uh, air sirens oh man this is great this is the some of the best news that we've been able to share with each other uh Stepan, since all of this began so uh, i almost i almost don't know how to to talk about it, um, it is absolutely so remarkable. Can you paint the picture for us then? Because uh, I know that last week when we spoke, you had gone back to Kiev, you had seen the place, um, and and getting ready for what this this sort of looked like. How is it? Um, what paint the picture for us? What you see? The way that I always describe when we're going to speak with you is I always say sort of the eyes of a Ukrainian out the window. So what you see? Can you paint the picture of what Kiev looks like with families and people like you that are coming back to go back to work? Oh, yeah. So it's really sunny. It's uh, hot outside. Uh, kids are playing on the, uh, you know, the playgrounds. Uh, even do, sometimes, and I see it, even during the air sirens, unfortunately, not everybody's taking these things seriously. Uh, there are much less people uh, in Kyiv than before war. So no traffic and really easy to, uh, you know, get from one part of the city to another by car. But uh, one thing that stresses everybody is that there is gas shortage here. So you have to wait in line for like two hours to um, fuel your car. Uh, and that's probably one of the things that... Uh, still reminds everyone every day that um, we were having some troubles with, uh, you know, infrastructure and economy. Uh, many people with uh, guns, uh, like officers. Um, so other than this, it's just uh, a normal life in, in Kiev. Wow. Uh, that's absolutely amazing. Uh, let's talk about what's going on because the war is certainly not over, even though the capital city is returning a little bit more back to normal. The uh, Severodonetsk has been reported by President Zelensky is basically saying the battle for the East lies in Severodonetsk. That, that's where the battle is, is going on. And we've been hearing some different, I think we've been hearing some of the propaganda uh, in a good way. And being able to see it, you know, the Ukrainian military has been saying, you know, making advances here and stalemate. We're getting reported from other places in some of this really trench warfare style battle lines that, you know, Russia moves up a little bit. Ukraine fights back a little bit and uh, continuing to hold them off. But things are still progressing a little bit for the Russians in that area of the country. So what are you hearing uh, as you hear the news about Severodonetsk and when Zelensky said in regards to this really is deciding the fate of eastern Ukraine? Um, 
Okay, Shane. So basically, what you said is that we're having this war of attrition. So tr trenches and uh, you know fighting, intense fighting for every meter, and uh, uh, that is true. So basically, the front line is not moving as quickly, uh, neither for us nor for Russians, as we would expect to counterattack and as they would expect to, you know, uh, further invade the country. Um, Severodonetsk and Lysychansk are right now the, the, the hottest places. And um, it's because these are the last two cities of Luhansk region that Russia hasn't uh, captured yet. So I would say that these two cities are very symbolic for Russia and for us, of course. Uh, what they want to do is to capture these cities and then to declare that they have captured the whole Luhansk region. And uh, for us, it's the last piece of this region that we are holding on to and um, are not willing to surrender. Um, the, the fighting is really intense there and it's really hard for our um, armed forces to hold uh, you know, the, the whole front and uh, Russia has concentrated on this very small part of the front, like uh, so many uh, military, so much military equipment and so many troops. Um, to tell you the truth, my happiness uh, of coming back to my hometown and rejoining my family is kind of mixed with the sadness of hearing everyday news from about people that I personally know that are fighting on the East. And just today I received the news about, the, I wouldn't say he's not a friend of mine. I know him, but uh, he is missing on the, on, on, on the front lines. And there is a big chance that he was either heavily wounded or captured by Russians. And every day it's uh, more and more cases like that of people that you personally know uh, that are fighting, uh, that are suffering there, either heavily injured or captured or killed. Uh, so despite that the, the heaviest uh, fights are concentrated on one small piece of land, uh, the, 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 the fighting are still very intense and uh, our troops, unfortunately, uh, are outnumbered there, uh, both in terms of the equipment and uh, the people. Uh, it's it's quite remarkable, Stepan. Uh, Sorry, I, I thought you were done there. We have a bit of a delay. I, I it was quite, It's quite remarkable when you speak of it that way, right? When you speak of it, um, you know, just that pragmatically. And, and I do want to talk a little bit more about the mixed emotion that you go through uh, in, in just uh, one second as well. So let's stay with that. The, um, the battling that's going on, long range weapons and everything that's coming in, there's been some writing that I've read just yesterday about these long range rockets and what it allows, uh, Ukraine to do. We've heard this before, right? We've heard this conversation that, hey, by the way, if we only get this, then we can do this. If we get this, we can do this. And some of the, um, journalists have written, you know, if these rockets arrive from the UK and the USA, USA, they will allow Ukraine to attack Snake Island, for example. That was Snake Island was the place where we heard the um, the Ukrainians basically tell the uh, the Russian warship uh, to f off and and where to go. 
uh, which they fired upon them and, and all those things from there. So it does really create an opportunity to change the look of this, including in Severodonetsk, which I had, I had also read that these long-range weapons will allow supply chain breaks to, uh, you know, the outmanned, the overpowered that you're speaking of to maybe change that. But we've heard all of this before, and it can't come soon enough, so that's problematic as well. So how do you navigate that and, and maybe clarify some of that information if I if I got it wrong? Uh, Shane, you you are correct uh, that these kind of long-range weapons can uh, change the situation on uh, battlefields, but unfortunately, we're not getting them uh, quickly enough. And the second thing, uh, we're getting too uh, uh, not n- not enough quantities. For example, the United States uh, officially have. Uh, uh, confirmed that they will send four launch uh, launch uh, I don't know stations for for this long uh, range uh, missile um, things MLRS it's called so high Mars but it's only four uh, f- four vehicles for uh, a front of uh, thousands of uh, kilometers and uh, I can't imagine how these four vehicles with uh, even dozens of rockets can can change the situation on the battleground. We need hundreds of those, uh, or at least dozens. And I know that the, we need some time to, uh, you know, train our troops how to operate this new equipment. But unfortunately, it seems that uh, at least some in some countries they're very hesitant with uh, providing ukraine with uh, this new equipment and uh, some politicians are afraid that ukraine will be victorious in uh, fighting russia uh, i'm not talking about canada but uh, at least uh, some european countries are very hesitant about helping ukraine unfortunately and are also influencing uh, uh, other countries, including the United States, on how they supply us with this equipment. So, uh, answering your question, yes, this equipment can change the the, the situation on the battleground, uh, but we need more, and we need it faster. Uh, Stepan Berko is in Kiev. Oh, that's nice to say, Ukraine. Um, back in his hometown, back reunited with his wife and his child, and uh, spent the last three months in Lviv. Now, that mixed emotion part, Stepan, uh, here you are able to be with your your family. You, I mean, you did go as a volunteer and in Lviv, and you, you went through all that, and, and you were told not yet. And, uh, and so, I mean, you've been through this emotion of knowing that you were going down uh, to that place to speak to those people in the military and volunteer. You went through all of that, and here you are three months later, back in your home, and you know that this is going on, Severodonetsk and all these places that are still battling it out, and it's ugly there. And you're able to come home, and, and you hear of people that you know that might be missing. Tell me about the mixed emotion, because that must be the hardest part, right? Like, you're able to go out and and hopefully uh, walk with your wife and, and do your favorite things, and at the same time, you know that your brothers and your sisters um, in other parts of the country are not able to do that. I, I imagine it presents you with a, a whole new level of gratitude, but also uh, difficult to process that as well. 
Yes, yeah, Shane, it's not easy because, uh, yes, you, on one side, you're happy that you're living this peaceful or more or less peaceful life. Uh, you can see your family and I'm really grateful for, for, for the guys and the girls on, on, on the front lines. And um, when I hear the, the situation on, on the Eastern Front, uh, you know, the first thing that always comes to my mind, uh, shouldn't I be doing something more? And I think it's something that many Ukrainians feel right now, especially those who are not fighting. Okay, I'm um, donating money to the military and to some volunteer uh, organizations that support our armed forces. Am I doing enough? Am I sending enough money? Uh, like somebody is uh, helping people who had to leave the refugees. And they also, also think, am I doing enough? Should I do something more? And of course, um, men and me including, uh, were thinking, should I, you know, fight? And at the same time, I'm, I'm, I'm being very honest with you. Uh, th that takes... Uh, a lot to to go and take a gun and, and fight, especially if you're not trained and uh, fighting. You know, you were not think, never thinking that you would uh, need to 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 know anything about fighting, and it's really scary. Um, so I would say it's this process of uh, trying to find the best uh, place for you to support this uh, the army to support the society. Uh, for me personally, I decided that I will be working uh, and with my family together uh, for as long as I'm not called by by the government to fight. And uh, we'll see, because right now it's not only the military front, but the economic front. Uh, we're having troubles with our economy, obviously, because uh, it's uh, it's been... You know, uh, the infrastructure was damaged so hard. Uh, and uh, um, as, as long as I can earn money, I think it's the best place for me to do, to, 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 to stay now. But um, if I'm needed, probably I'll go uh, and hope that uh, we win. Yeah, it's, uh, it must be incredibly confusing. And, and uh, beautiful at the same time to have your family back together again. And, and um, I, I am curious, what's the first thing that you, you did as a family? Was it um, going to your favorite park or is it going for a walk? Or uh, what do you do when you're finally back together again and you get that opportunity that you've never, you haven't had in three months? Um, we went to a cafe and got some coffee. <laughs> With That's croissants that we like, yeah, Amazing. and also we we took our bikes and took a bike a ride on the bike on our bikes. That's so good. I love it. Well, I'm I'm glad I can hear the excitement in your voice. It is remarkable to hear. Um, uh, I'm what a surprise that you've given us here. Uh, Stepan, and and maybe some uh, some inspiration and light for everybody else. You know, um, to know that. Uh, good wins over evil, and it's going to take time for this to be resolved. It's far from over yet. 
um, there there is some good for us to talk about, and it's absolutely beautiful, Stepan. So thank you so much for being back again and, and coming on and, and so open-heartedly sharing your story with us. Appreciate it. Thank you, Shane. Stepan Berko in Kiev, Ukraine. Um, his, he's a lawyer and he's an advocate, and he does amazing work uh, standing up for the people and continues to do so, sharing the story of Ukraine here with us. That's the look right there, as I describe it. It's the look out the window, literally out the window, a beautiful, sunny, very warm day in Kiev, Ukraine, being shared with us here. It's The Shift. I'm Shane Hill. We'll be right back. Canada's brightest conversation in the dark of night. It's The Shift. When I think back Thanks for listening to The Shift Podcast. Make sure you subscribe, rate, and review the show and share with anyone you like. Get it on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify, and CuriousCast.ca.